When I was a kid, and I first started watching movies, it dawned on me that there was so much happening behind the scenes to make what was coming to life truly come to life. So when I showed interest in wanting to make my own movies, my dad showed me how to edit VHS to VHS, and I got an eye-opening look on the process of film editing. This week on Behind Every Story, we get a first-hand look at what goes into the storytelling process through a film editor's eyes. What's up everyone, my name is Jason and this is Behind Every Story. If this is your first time with us, let me explain what's happening. I love stories from comic books to movies, songs to jokes, sitting around a campfire with a single person to sitting in an audience being enveloped by the storyteller. I love hearing people's stories. And even more so, I love hearing the stories behind those stories. This show is about the director's commentary on the movie of life. And this week, we're discussing a topic that's near and dear to my heart, film editing. When I was a little kid, I was really into horror movies. And while I can go off on tangents about walking through video stores and awing and ooing over the box covers to uh, making my own films, what really comes to mind is the editing process. And that's thanks to my father. When I was young, most movies, uh, horror films, I had to run by my parents before I could watch them. So when I was six years old and I wanted to watch Evil Dead, um, my dad would watch the movie first and see if it was okay for me to watch. And what he would do is, yes, there was scary elements to it, but he would sit there and watch it with me and he would explain that this was a movie. So at a very young age, I was kind of disillusioned by the film itself and more enraptured with the idea of how they made it. I remember my dad and I going into the backyard and trying to recreate some of the more, let's say, violent aspects of some of the horror films to see how you could make it look like that through camera tricks, through props and things like that. And we became enamored with the idea of filmmaking. So it dawned on me that while a lot of these tricks and these tools are done on the set, it wasn't until the editing room where this really came to life. Uh, a perfect example of this was Steven Spielberg, when he was making Jaws, Everyone kept telling him that you have to show more of the shark. The more you show of the shark, the scarier it would be. And fortunately for us, as film watchers, the less you see of something is pretty much how fear comes to be in the viewer. When you look at old movies from the 40s, the 30s, 50s, you didn't see the monster outright until near the end because the idea that something was growing in the shadows and just lurking is far more scary to us. So by not seeing something, we are 
more prone to the imagination of our own story. Now, I'm getting off topic, but I want to rein it back in here. Early in the filmmaking days in the 1910s and the 20s, editing was considered, quote unquote, a woman's job because it was not a creative process. It was just slapping what the director wanted together in sequential order to tell the story. It wasn't until late 30s or 40s that the editing actually became an art on its own and was taken over by men, unfortunately. Um, During this process, you started seeing film editing as theory. In the 1910s, 1920s, this was revolutionized in Russia and Germany as having an actual art form. It was the Kushloff. Lev Kushloff was a film maker and a theorist who talked about what he dubbed the Kushloff effect. By putting two images together that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, create an emotion in the audience. And what the Kushloff effect did was you saw a shot of a man staring straight into the camera, and then he would cut to the next image of a bowl of soup. And the audience all agreed that that man looked hungry. And then they, he took the exact same shot of the man and put it next to a shot of a beautiful woman. And everyone in the audience thought that man looks very lecherous at the woman. And then they took the exact same shot of the man and put it next to a young girl playing and everyone in the audience thought, oh, that father looks adoringly at his daughter. So through the process of watching two images that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, we as the audience are putting one and one together to create a story. So in the editing room, there is a ton happening to tell the story. And it was Stanley Kubrick who said he shoots the film as a director, but he makes the movie as an editor. And it isn't until the editing room where he can actually tell the story. Now, many years ago, I got to see one of my idols, my editing idols, Walter Murch at a conference. And he, he, the way he edits is very particular. He will take each individual shot and put them on a wall so he can see the whole film as one image. And then he places it around to see the best storytelling aspects through all those imagery. And it was Walter Murch who said that editing is essentially cutting out the bad bits because when all said and done, you're telling the story that you want to tell. Now we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll be joined by this week's guest to tell us all about the storytelling behind the storytelling in the editing room. Our next guest has spent over 25 years in the advertising world as a film and video editor, even working directly with Oprah Winfrey at Harpo Studios. Being nominated for two Emmys for editing has fueled him and his crafted promos, commercials, and sizzles for high-end clientele with his company, Phase 6 Productions. He's even the host of his own wildly popular podcast, Apple iPhone Daily. Please welcome Jeff Landsman. Jeff, thank you for being with Happy us. Happy to be here. Hi, Jason. Uh, th- Thank you for being with us again, sir. It's, I'm, great. I'm happy to be back. 
Um, so you are an editor and you were the very first person I thought of when I wanted to touch on this topic. Um, uh, because you, you're not only good at what you do, but you you know, editing. So I think that goes a long way. Uh, Like there there are people who are good at building houses, but they don't know the theory behind architecture. Um, but you're both, you're like the whole Magilla. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about storytelling through editing. What kind of aspects can an editor bring to a film, to a commercial, to anything where storytelling is um, necessary? Yeah. Uh, well, storytelling is, right, it's everything. I mean, it really is. It's it's really what the, ed- the editor's job, I think a lot of, uh, including myself, when you're younger, you think, oh, an editor is someone who takes, well, when you're really young, if you ask a, a kid, what does an editor do, uh, and, which I've, I've done before, I've asked children, when I've talked to um, students, I said, what, what do you think, uh, someone define what an editor does? Oftentimes they'll respond, well, you take out the bad parts. And, you know, they're thinking mm-hmm. it's like taking a movie and making it for the airplane version. <laughs> you know, it's like, which, oh, okay. which in, in, uh, yeah, I guess there are editors that have to do that. But uh, and then I explained, well, actually an editor is taking tons of footage and building something. You're not taking something that's done, taking it away. So, uh, so so then when you get a little older, you think, oh, an editor just takes the series of images that the, the, that they're supposed to put in the order they're supposed to put it, and they, they, they string it all together, and they refine it, and that's that. That's not what an editor, not what a good editor does. You know? So uh, my experience, and I had to, it took me a long time to learn this, but uh, I, I sort of learned under some incredible talent, and what I learned was, you're really a storyteller. I mean, you really are meant to break the rules. You're meant to sort of look at everything from the top down, uh, like from a bird's eye view and kind of think about mm. it. How do you interpret telling this story? So uh, so that's sort of the, the, the short answer to your question. So uh, Stanley Kubrick once said that when he's shooting a film, he's pretty much trying to tell the story, but he doesn't know the actual story until he's sitting down in the editing room. And that's where he can actually make the movie. How true is oh, that? It's, it's entirely true. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that. So uh, I usually, when I'm, you and I got to work on a project recently together. And when I have an idea for something, uh, I have a vision in my head of what it probably is, but I don't get too connected to the vision specifically when I'm directing. Mm-hmm. I don't, go on, out in the field and go, we have to specifically get this, you know, you and I, I gave you some boards that you uh, shot, mm-hmm. and, but I kind of let you do your own thing also, because I wanted to see what you would bring to it. And I think that's the best kind of collaboration. And so when you leave, then I leave and I see, oh, wow, Jason, he's giving me this angle and he's giving me this, which I wasn't thinking about. And then suddenly everything starts to take shape in a little bit different, uh, a little bit different way than you had originally intended, and really the editing phase is the playground. It's the it's the fun part for me. I love it. It's what I've been doing uh, for almost twenty five years. And uh, when I get the footage, <clears throat> the first thing I do is, of course, I go through it all and I pull all the the moments that I, I love. But I don't actually edit 
in a linear way. So if I have a story to tell that has to be three and a half minutes, I'm not kind of building it from beginning to end. I'll have an idea and I'll go, well, that's going to go in the middle. And so I'll do something Mm -hmm. and throw it in the middle and then I'll have a different idea. Oh, that'll be, that'll be kind of nice to lead into the end and I'll put it at the three quarter mark and then I'll go back to the beginning. And so it's kind of like almost filling a hole, you know, you're not doing, you're not building something in a linear way, brick by brick in order, Mm -hmm. you're kind of spilling things into it. And then uh, the hardest part for me is that rough cut. It's, it's just atrocious. It's like, because as as an editor, you're constantly thinking, oh, but it should be this. So you're five steps ahead, your chess in your own head, you're playing chess. And so, uh, I've learned, and this has taken me a long time to get to this spot, but uh, in the last, you know, seven or eight years, I don't do that anymore. Now I just go, just, I call it, I don't even call it edits, call the bin edits 001. I call it edits mm-hmm. garbage. You know, like, I just, I, I allow myself to know that it's okay, Jeff. It's okay to just get something on the canvas. It can be bad, but maybe there'll be like maybe 10% or 20% will be good because then the really fun part is having something that you can manipulate and make way better. That's so that's really cool that you bring that up. Um, uh, Cause I think the editing process is different for everybody, Oh sure. Uh, but you bring up, you bring up the point about the rough cut. It is hands down. I think the hardest part, cause I think polishing everyone thinks is like the tough part. Cause you got to make it look perfect. Right. But, but the rough cut is where the story comes from. Yes. Um, what is your process going through to make the rough cut happen? Uh, the process is what you just said. It's storytelling. So uh, typically in a, a, to give an example of an agency situation where I'll get a board where it's like, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. sort of their idea of how it should go. Uh, I'll definitely use that as a guideline. I'll look at that and kind of know, okay, I understand like this is sort of has to unfold in this way. Uh, but then I, the, the first thing I do is I kind of think, well, what can I bring to this? How can I break the rules a little bit and look at this with a little bit different perspective or enhance it or, or change the, it's all about rhythm, really, Jason. You know, it's, mm-hmm, it's as mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's so, yes, you have to string the shots together. And yes, you know, when I say rhythm, it's not necessarily, well, was this hitting on the beat of the music? Of course, you want that to happen if you're good at what you do. But it's more the rhythm, the overall rhythm. Like, how does it feel? What is the emotion when you're watching it? And do you kind of give someone a breath to like, get on the ride with you and then kind of lose themselves in uh, in the actual, like what they're watching and kind of feel the emotion as you're taking them on this sort of quick journey. And when I say quick, because most of the things I edit are 30 <laughs> or 60 seconds or two minutes. Right. And so, you know, it's uh, my process is just, I try to really edit emotionally. It's It can be challenging because, uh, you want them to feel something. And if they're going to feel something, you have to feel it when you're putting it together. And so, yes. uh, you know, that's why I do this sort of garbage cut where you're not going to really feel much. You just, you just get the canvas sort of covered. Uh, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. not totally covered, but it's mostly covered. You know, the hardest thing I know for a writer or a, any kind of storyteller is stare, a painter staring at a blank canvas and going, well, I know I want to have in my head this at yes. the end, <laughs> right? But, yes. but I don't, it's a, how do, how do I get there? Like there's no, there's no 
every project's different. So there's no sort of like, oh, you just do it the same way every. No, you don't. Every time it's different. So, so once I get over that hurdle, then I get to. I really try to watch it emotionally, and and the key to that is having the right music. If you're editing mm-hmm. music, I mean, you know, so many people just they put this is a good track and it, it'll work. You really <laughs> have to spend a ton of time finding the perfect track that drives. Yes the story that's emotionally compelling and musically drives it, it even down to the tempo of what, what is the mm-hmm. story you're telling. Once you find that the rest really emotionally comes together. I feel like pretty quickly. I totally agree with that. Uh, and that's one of the processes that I always find is the most challenging is finding music to meet the emo- the emotional beats yep. of your project. Yep. Absolutely. Um, because finding any song and editing to it can be easy, but it's not the vision that you have in mind. Well, Jason, in, in answer to that, actually, years ago, I was working with uh, an assistant editor who is, who is now an editor. Uh, and his name mm-hmm. is DJ, and, and he's a good friend of mine. And uh, he, was, he was really talented, understood how to cut to the beat. You know, a younger guy mm-hmm. and at the time. Now, now, we're both older, but uh, at the time, <laughs> he's younger. This is in the early 2000s. And and he would show me his stuff and say, what do you think? He was kind of a junior editor at this point. And I would look at it and it would be like, wow, he's, re- he's really got the rhythm part uh, cutting to the music down. Mm-hmm. But the shot choices are so essential when you're telling yes. a story. And he, he wouldn't maybe pick the best shots. And so my feedback to him would be, listen, your edit in terms of the timing and the beats and all that, spot on. But you really have to choose your shots wisely what connects to the next shot what is the story you're telling you even in a montage uh, you really have to you know make sure that there's meaning behind the shot leading into the next shot and the shot coming Mm -hmm. after that shot and so forth so he got so much better when i gave him that note and now he's i mean he's a really respected uh creative that's you bring up an awesome point with the shot choices to match the music. Um, I do a lot of wedding films and to emotionally connect with my audience, I wait for those giant swells of music in the song. And I find those most image impactful moments of the entire day. Like when the groom sees his bride for the very first time, the music should explode. Um, What kind of examples do you use or can, can you tell us about using the right shot choices for the right music? Oh, geez, that's tough because the projects are also different. Oh, shout out to you. Mm. So I, I just a shout, quick shout out to you. I saw, I've seen a lot of your work and it's incredible because you know, not yeah. just the, the editing is fantastic, but your, your cinematography is, it truly does stand out way above the competition. I mean, it, it's just, it really is, uh, a plus, like yeah, I, I love your work. Um, uh, no big head here whatsoever, obviously. <laughs> no, not, not, not no, at all. But honestly, I, I you know, it's it's kind of how I met you. I was looking at your work. I'm like, I want to meet this guy. It's it just seems like he gets it. So, uh, in answer to your question, I don't know, Jason. It's it's kind of different for each project. I, I would say there's certain rules I follow. I like to, I like to uh, let the viewer kind of have like. It's like a roller coaster almost, you, you know, hmm. you, that first bit where you're climbing up, you want to have that feeling of anticipation. You want to get that going right away. So yes. you're climbing that first hill 
And you can't just jump in with like a big boom. It just doesn't work. So I like to at least give that beat of Ooh, what's 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 about to happen. And then usually at the depending on how long it is, the four to eight second mark, something musically has to kick in, obviously. And then you're on mm-hmm. the ride. And then uh, some things I actually learned from working at Harpo Studios with some incredible producers. Uh, one of the tricks that we like to use, uh, they would call it the boom drop the music. Now, we don't always <laughs> do that, but when we'd cut the show opens or promos for the Dr. Oz show or for the Oprah Winfrey show or uh, for the Nate Berkus show when that was on or uh, you know any of Oprah's shows that were on the OWN network, we typically would try and get in, not always, but often a boom drop the music. Now, what is that? A boom drop the music is, you know, you kind of have the anticipation and then the music's going and you're on for the ride and then it stops mm-hmm. for a second and you have some impactful break moment and then it kicks in even bigger after that. It's a great technique. It works uh, really well. In fact, I use the technique uh, on something I just did this past weekend uh, for for this big alcohol brand. And, uh, and it, it, it's just, what it does is two things. One, everything you're expecting suddenly, uh, the unexpected happens and you're like, what? And then you have to put sort of a big moment there. And then after that, the music kind of gets even bigger. And so what it does is rhythmically, it, it keeps you anticipating until the end. You just, it throws in this little curveball where you're like, I just don't know what's going to happen next. So I, I want to keep watching. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got like super excited there for a second. Like I, I just shut down. I was like, yes, oh, I'm taking notes. I'm like, I'm going to be a better editor after this. Um, so Andy Warhol once was talking to a news reporter and the news reporter was saying, well, what does this mean? And after every question, he said, I don't know. <laughs> and I've never been a big fan of Andy Warhol until this moment when he pretty much took the news reporter aside and said, it's not my job to tell you how to feel. It's my job to make the art and for you to interpret it. How does that aspect go into an editor's mindset? Are you more concerned about just telling your story and getting it out there? Or are you concerned about things like screen theory, like where a character moves from left to right on the screen to progress the story moving forward versus right to left, saying that they're on the wrong track? That's a Honestly, that's a phenomenal question. I think the answer is it's all important. I mean, you know, you and I were filming something and I said, let's have them looking right because I want them looking forward. You know, mm-hmm. remember th- that little moment and – you know, I think you have to really incorporate all your your personal rules. And so there's sort of the film, ther- film theory uh, basics where you're not just, again, putting images together in order. You're looking at it as a whole. What is the emotion of this thing? To your point, where what is the film theory? Are they moving forward? Are they moving backwards? Mm. Are you looking at this in a way uh, where things are connecting? You know, we, uh, I worked on a, trailer for a show called Belief that was on the OWN network. And I cut the trailer for it, which then became the show open. And, uh, you know, I, I just was looking through the footage and I found a shot of, it was a tribesman climbing. Uh, this is something this tribe does where they, they, they're almost completely naked. I mean, they wear a little uh, something around their waist and that's it. And so he's climbing. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is it's almost like a bungee jump, but it's with all natural materials as a sort of coming of age thing. Uh, 
And, uh, and so I found this moment where they're climbing. And then I found this other moment where it was a guy that does not believe in God. He is just believes in what he can see and touch and feel. And he does this, they just did a movie with him where he does this rock climbing, but he's not tethered to anything. I mean, he's just climbs these insane. And so I found this shot of the guy climbing and I found the shot of this rock climber climbing. And I thought, oh, to connect these two worlds in the middle of a shot, you know, where it's like one guy climbing and then the next guy almost in the same body position, but totally on a different part of the world climbing. It connects these ideas that we all are connected in some way, even though we're completely Mm -hmm. far apart. And so, you know, a lot of times these ideas are not premeditated, you know, they kind of come up as you're going through the footage. And if you're looking at things in sort of a, with broader strokes is what is the ultimate message that we want to tell, which in this case was, we're all connected. Uh, it's about belief, but everyone can have different beliefs, but we're all the human race. Uh, it's, it's kind of a nice way to sort of answer to the audience what they're looking for. So in answer to your question about Andy Warhol and uh, you know, what is the art, form. You know, I think, I think everybody has a different way of telling the story, but I think a general rule that I like to follow for myself is every project I'm given, I I like to kind of take five steps back and look at what is the message that we're trying to get across ultimately. You know, a lot of times we're trying Mm -hmm. to sell something, right? You know, if we're working for a promo on a promo for someone or uh, a big brand, you still have to you still have to sell it. You can't just go, well, this is artistic and everything. You still have right, to have right. a, a directive. There's still to ultimately be uh, a call to action. And, uh, and so I try to incorporate all these things when I'm, I'm building out the story. And then I rewatch it and rewatch it. And I go, you know, there's just not enough of the brand in there or there's not enough of um, a certain emotion that I'm going for. Or uh, mm-hmm. I really look for if it's supposed to be serious, you want to make sure that the shots uh, – uh, reflect that. Or if it's supposed to be fun, you want to make sure you pick shots where everyone's having a little bit of fun. And when you tie them all together, (laughs) it feels fun. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it's kind of a, uh, I do like to incorporate everything. Now I don't, I feel like in the business that I'm in, I don't think, I don't think the right answer for me would be to leave things up for interpretation for the viewer. I want, I kind of, I kind of want to puppet, you know, be the puppet master Mm -hmm. a little bit and say, hey, listen, if I've done my job, I've made you feel the way that I want you to feel because I feel that way when I watch it. And if I've done my job well, the viewer feels that way. So before we leave, um, I want to know what do you want people to see or to know the next time they watch a film or commercial uh, editing wise? Yeah, that's a, ph- a phenomenal question. I, you know, I honestly, I've sort of, and I'm sure you're the same way. I've been ruined by my own profession because it's kind of hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of hard to just watch something and uh-huh. just, you know, my, my wife is phenomenal at it. She can watch a movie and truly escape into the story. I, I'm broken. I, I can't because I'm always watching it for the editing because. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll learn something or maybe like you and I have talked before, I'll be hypercritical and be like, why would you, why, you know, this is such an yeah. opportunity here. Why wouldn't you, you know, go this other way instead of the way you chose. But 
Uh, what I would say for people who maybe want to learn editing is to do just that, actually watch a movie or watch even a TV commercial or, you know, don't watch it for the rhythm of just the editing. You know, that's that's important to know, but watch it for the perspective of what, what story is being told here. And if you had to break it up and work backwards, how did, how do you think this came together? You know, what, 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 what were sort of the rules that were followed by the editor working on it or the storyteller working on it? And, and I think, I think it's a healthy way to kind of uh, steal from other people, like in terms of like, Oh, that's a really cool style. I'd like to borrow a little bit from it. Uh, or, be inspired to create your own style and, and sort of use that as a launching board uh, that inspires you. That is fantastic advice. Oh my God. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm jazzed. I kind of want to end the podcast now so I can go edit. (laughs) I'm super stoked to go back to work. Uh, I've never said that before, by the way, I've never been that excited to go to work. (laughs) Wow. Fantastic. Love it. I love it. Uh, Jeff, thank you unbelievably for spending your time with us today. If people were so inclined to reach out to you, to get to know you, to ask you questions, to hire you for work, <laughs> what is the best way they can get a hold well, of you? Well, probably the fastest way is the old social media Twitter. It's twitter.com slash Jeff Landsman. Uh, it's L-A-N-D-S-M-A-N. Uh, so that's the easiest way to find me. Uh, the website for my company is phase six, P-H-A-S-E, the number six productions, plural.com. And, uh, and then I have my podcast, Apple iPhone daily.com. So, uh, those are three sort of easy ways to reach out. So people, there is no excuse. If you cannot find this man or follow what he is doing, there is no excuse. That means you are not trying because he is producing a ton of awesome content. So get out there and follow Jeff Landsman, Jeff. Again, thank you so much for being a part of this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Have a great day, man. When I was in grad school, I was mentored by who I consider my film mentor, B.J. Sears. He was a film editor. Uh, He worked on such movies as Jacob's Ladder, Virtuosity, Hideaway, Storyville, When Sleeping Dogs Lie. Uh, A lot. He's worked on a lot. He was also the sound editor on Amadeus, which we will get to at another time when we discuss sound. Um, I have a great story about that. But one of my favorite stories he told about film editing was when he was working on the movie Power Rangers Turbo. And first of all, I had to ask why he chose to do Power Rangers Turbo when he was so prolific in his editing styles and all his films. And he said, never turn down a project because you never know where the project's going to lead. And he meant that in both the artistic sense and the business sense of getting your next job. But when he was working on Power Rangers Turbo, he said they must have gone through about 12 directors throughout the filming process because people kept showing up and quitting. And that's why the movie's a giant mess. Um, So much so that BJ Sears got up from his editing bay and went and directed two or three days because he needed the shots to tell the story as a director. And that always spoke very dear to my heart because in the editing room, we can see a story coming together. And if there's missing parts, you can't tell the story 
well enough to convey it to an audience. So he took it upon himself to just fill in the gaps that needed to be filled in. And to me, that's a wonderful artist and why he's one of my mentors. Hearing these stories always gives me a little bit more connection to, to the world. So always be on the lookout or listen out for these amazing stories because sometimes these stories can seemingly come out of nowhere. Like when BJ Sears told me the story about Power Rangers, we were literally just getting coffee and shooting the breeze. And he told me this amazing story. Uh, do you have any stories about film editing, either you editing itself or some kind of insider information that you know about editing? Email us at behindeverystory at gmail.com. We would love to hear it. Great stories can be universal, or sometimes they can be close to home. Great storytellers make the world a smaller and more intimate place. Thanks to all the storytellers out there, big and small. And thank you for joining us here on Behind Every Story. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast streaming app or sharing our podcast to your friends and family or even just random people, which, as you know by now, I think is way more fun. We love to connect with others and hear what they have to say. Thank you so much for our guest this week, Jeff Landsman from Phase 6 Productions. I'm your storyteller, Jason Osterkamp, and it's been a pleasure sitting around the campfire with you. Join us again next week on Behind Every Story. Oh, 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 oh,